Welcome to NTD News Today. I'm Kevin Hogan. Let's take a look at our top stories. Over a thousand illegal immigrants died crossing the southern border into the U.S. since President Biden took office. That trend is increasing. A U.S. lawmaker warning Americans about sharing their DNA with testing services, saying foreign adversaries could access it to create bioweapons. A World Health Organization official admits that the distribution of the monkeypox vaccine is being treated as a clinical trial and that not much is known about the large-scale effectiveness of the vaccine. More than 1,000 people died crossing the U.S.-Mexico border since President Biden took office. That's more than twice as many under the same time frame under former President Trump. Many factors make the journey harder and more dangerous than some might think. Here are the details. The U.S. is seeing a record number of illegal border crossings so far this year. More than 1.7 million people have crossed as of June, and the fiscal year is not over yet. The Customs and Border Protection Division chief says migrants imagine the journey to be easier than it really is. This mass migration issue is this group of people coming over here. They're not told how bad it can really be. They think it's just as simple as coming over. You're here and you're free and it's easy to go and it doesn't work that way. You know, and that's where we get into the injuries and the unfortunate casualties you know, across the entire southwest border. It's not just coming off of a piece of infrastructure. It's coming across a harsh terrain. They could fall anywhere in the mountainous terrains that we have across the southwest borders as well. Plus, we have, the, you know, we have a lot of water issues where the rivers, they have to cross the rivers. Those are always traumatic that we have there. So they have to come across that as well. Last year was the deadliest for migrants crossing the U.S.-Mexico border. The United Nations recorded almost 730 fatalities. The U.N. started keeping track of that number in 2014. Deaths in Arizona last year were the highest in four decades, according to local medical examiners. And in California, a San Diego hospital is seeing an increase in a specific type of injury. So the injuries that we're seeing and, and what we're really seeing the increase are patients that are falling from the border wall between the Mexican and the United States border, and they're falling directly into San Diego County, jumping over the border fence itself. In some sections, the wall is as high as a three-story building. Rescues by border agents along the southwest border have topped 14,000 since the start of the 2022 fiscal year. That's more than what were recorded during the entire 2021 fiscal year. We are receiving approximately about 16 calls a day, you know, every single day, 911 calls. According to the UN, this year's death toll is on track to be as bad or worse than last year's record-breaking toll. In response to the influx, Texas Governor Greg Abbott in April started sending buses filled with illegal immigrants to Washington, D.C. Now, a newly surfaced email shows an official of the Federal Emergency Management Agency, or FEMA, saying illegal migrants who had no family to pick them up in D.C. will be put on a train to Miami. It was obtained by the Heritage Foundation through a Freedom of Information Act request. The email was introduced as a quick update from FEMA. The email states, for this first drop, some were picked up by family members and the rest will be put on a train to Miami. Many illegal immigrants who are bused from Texas don't want to stay in D.C., but plan to travel to Florida or New York City. A Democrat on the House Intelligence Committee has warned Americans not to use DNA testing services. He says the data could be collected to create bioweapons targeting individuals or groups. NTD's Jessica Beatty has more. At the Aspen Security Forum in Colorado Friday, Representative Jason Crow said people willingly send their DNA to testing and ancestry services, but that means those companies now own their DNA and can sell it. 
which means adversaries could potentially use it. You can actually take someone's DNA, take you know their their medical profile, and you can target a biological weapon that will that will kill that person or take them off the battlefield or make them inoperable. Crow said because foreign governments can collect Americans' DNA and weaponize it, U.S. officials need to have a public discussion about the protection of DNA information, healthcare information, and related data. About a year ago, Senator Marco Rubio warned that Chinese laboratories were processing the DNA tests of Americans via Medicare and Medicaid. He linked a 2019 report by the Office of Inspector General, which said the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services did not consider national security risks for any of their programs. In Rubio's July 2021 statement, he said, It's ridiculous that our current policies enable the Chinese Communist Party to access Americans' genomic data. There's absolutely no reason that Beijing, which routinely seeks to undermine U.S. national security, should be handed the genomic data of American citizens. In addition to the threat to humans, there's also a threat to U.S. agriculture, according to Republican Senator Joni Ernst. She's a member of the Armed Services Committee and was also on Friday's panel. She said adversaries could also create bioweapons targeting the U.S. food supply, using things like bird flu and swine fever. All of these things have circulated around the globe, but if targeted by an adversary, we know that it brings about food insecurity. Food insecurity drives a lot of other insecurities around the globe. Senator Ernst said, in addition to securing human beings, we also need to secure the food that will sustain us. Jessica Beatty, NTD News. The World Health Organization says that everyone who gets a monkeypox vaccine is essentially part of a clinical trial to collect information on whether the shot is effective. Comments came as the agency's director general overruled a WHO advisory panel and declared monkeypox a global health emergency. It's the agency's highest level alert. The last time the WHO issued such an emergency was in early 2020 when it made the same declaration for COVID-19. An official from the WHO said the monkeypox vaccine's efficacy isn't known because it hasn't been used in this context or on a large scale before. He said that the monkeypox vaccines are being delivered in the context of clinical trial studies. The FDA has licensed two vaccines for monkeypox, ACAM2000, known as Invimune or Invinex, and Genios. One of this year's largest wildfires is burning in California right now. Thousands are evacuating. That's as air tankers, bulldozers, and hand crews are trying to prevent further damage. The Oak Fire started on Friday, just west of Yosemite National Park. It quickly grew in size. The fire was fueled by extreme heat and tinder dry forests and underbrush. It started within a half mile of Mariposa Pines, a town with a population of 1,400 people. It is not far from Yosemite National Park, which is famed for its giant ancient sequoia trees. As of Monday morning, the fire had consumed around 15,000 acres. That's more than half the size of Paris. It's 0% contained. More than 3,000 people are under mandatory evacuation orders. Another 2,000 were under a fire advisory, meaning they could be ordered to leave soon. The cause of the fire is still under investigation. Vast storm clouds towered over the state of North Dakota last week as weather forecasters warned of tennis ball-sized hail, tornadoes, and 70-mile-per-hour winds. Video posted on social media showed a wall of anvil-shaped storm cloud known as a supercell rolling over the North Dakota plains. The U.S. National Weather Service issued a severe thunderstorm watch for the northeast of the state. The warning of large hailstones and strong winds, as well as a chance of a tornado or two. A concert 
by rock musician Kid Rock at the nearby North Dakota State Fair was canceled. Local media reported that disgruntled fans trashed the concert venue after hearing the news. Supercell storms are most common in the central United States. The National Weather Service says they have a high propensity to produce damaging winds, very large hail, and sometimes weak to violent tornadoes. Tesla CEO Elon Musk is contesting the accuracy of a recent Wall Street Journal report. It alleges that he had an affair with the wife of Google co-founder Sergey Brin. Musk took to Twitter and said the report was based on third-party random hearsay. He then called the Wall Street Journal's reporting way sub-tabloid. The report alleges that the affair prompted the Google co-founder to file for divorce in January after four years of marriage and that the situation put an end to the long-term friendship between the two tech billionaires. Musk called out the publication for running a story that he says lacks solid factual basis. In a Sunday tweet, he said that he and Bryn are friends and were at a party together the night before. He also says he only saw Bryn's wife twice in three years, and both times there were many other people around, and they were not romantic situations. And coming up, after Russian missiles hit the Ukrainian port of Odessa, the Russian foreign minister reaffirms commitment to provide grain to Egypt. And Taiwan holds both civilian and military drills aimed at a potential Chinese communist invasion. The annual drills have taken on new relevance in the midst of the Ukraine war. Stay tuned for more right here on NTD News. court hearing of the 21-year-old Russian soldier convicted of killing a Ukrainian civilian will not be taking place today following a request from his lawyer. The soldier's lawyer told CNN that after feeling sick, he sent a petition to the Kiev Court of Appeals to postpone the hearing. And the prosecutor said the trial will not resume today. Vadim Shishimarin was found guilty of killing a 62-year-old civilian during his deployment with the Russian army. He was sentenced to life in prison on May 23rd. It's Ukraine's first war crimes trial since Russia's invasion. At the last hearing on July 13th, the soldiers' legal team asked the judges at the Kyiv Court of Appeals to reverse the verdict. The court then asked his lawyer to supplement the appeal. The judge has not yet announced a new hearing date. Russia today brushed aside alarm following a missile strike by its forces on Ukraine's port of Odessa. The strike follows a U.N.-brokered deal aimed at easing global food shortages by resuming grain exports from the Black Sea region. Russia's Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov offered reassurances over Russian grain supplies to Egypt at the start of an African tour on Sunday. His arrival comes amid uncertainty over a deal signed between Russia and Ukraine to resume Ukrainian exports through the Black Sea. But on Saturday, Russian missiles hit the major Ukrainian port, Odessa. Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky called the attack barbarism that showed Moscow could not be trusted to implement the deal struck just the day before with Turkish and UN mediation. Video released by Ukraine's military showed damage in Odessa. The military said two missiles hit the area of a pumping station and two more were shot down. Russia said on Sunday its forces had hit a Ukrainian warship and weapons store in Odessa. Speaking in Cairo, Lavrov reaffirmed the commitment of Russian grain exporters to meet all their commitments. 
In a press conference with his Egyptian counterpart, Lavrov said there was a common understanding of the causes of the grain crisis. Since the start of the war in February, Russia's Black Sea fleet has blockaded Ukraine's ports. That's trapped tens of millions of tons of grain and sent global food prices soaring. Russia blames Western sanctions and Ukrainian mines in the Black Sea for the crisis. For Egypt, it's created a political dilemma. It's one of the world's top wheat importers, with 80% last year coming from Russia and Ukraine. Because of the war, Cairo is torn between long-standing ties to Russia and its close relationship with Western powers. Russia has continued to supply wheat to Egypt, selling to both the government and the private sector. Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov says that any ships coming to Ukrainian ports to pick up additional grain would be inspected for weapons. In an address to the Arab League in Cairo, Lavrov said that any ships carrying weapons would be detrimental to the continued conflict. Wheat prices rose on Monday shortly after the Russian strike on Odessa. U.S. wheat futures are still 15% above where they were last year, while French wheat futures are 65% higher than last time this year. An estimated 22 million tons of grain have been held up in the port of Odessa. The European Commission says that as much as 20 million tons of grain must be moved out of Ukraine by the end of July. The move is necessary to make room for this year's crop and avoid food shortages in poorer countries in Africa. NTD's Andrew Thomas reports. Ukraine exported over 90 percent of its cereals and oilseed via the Black Sea. Alternative land transport to the Romanian Black Sea port of Constanza or via Poland offers a fraction of the capacity. We are not able to do it even technologically. Due to the different gauges of the tracks, the reloading possibilities at the border and in ports, Ukraine's expectations are in the range of 4 to 5 million tons per month. With the best organization that we already use, we are able to achieve 1 to 1.5 million tons per month. So it is far from sufficient. Romania is home to Europe's fastest loading grain sea terminal and could channel up to 600,000 tons a month if organization and infrastructure improve. Hungary and Slovakia offer significantly lower capacities. A lack of containers is also a problem. There is no reloading equipment or containers. I appealed for containers primarily because it would be the most efficient way of transport and loading. And we expect it. We in Poland will not suddenly build a few thousand containers, nor will Ukraine. The manager of Poland's Gdansk bulk terminal, Rafał Rozanski, said investments were needed to deal with Ukraine's grain. So we need the necessary huge investments in the storage spaces, not only in port. We need the grain hubs near to the border to transfer the goods very fast from Ukraine. And after that, we need to improve our logistic chains, I mean the railway connections, that we can somehow make it predictable. Romania is experiencing a different kind of bottleneck. A ship can take 50,000 tons of grain or the load of 25 to 30 freight trains. A truck can carry only 25 tons. Romania's Constanza port can process up to 77,000 tons of goods per day, but grain has to get there by land. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. Roads emptied and people were ordered to stay indoors in parts of Taiwan, including its capital, Taipei. That was during an air raid exercise as the island steps up preparations for the event of an attack by Beijing. 
Sirens sounded at 1.30 p.m. local time for the mandatory street evacuation drills. They effectively shut down cities across northern Taiwan for 30 minutes. In Taipei, police directed vehicles to move to the side of the road and passers-by were told to seek shelter. Shops and restaurants pulled down their shutters and turned off lights to avoid becoming a target in the event of a nighttime attack. These are yearly exercises on the island, but Russia's invasion of Ukraine has given the drills renewed urgency. It has also sparked more debate about how best to react in the event of an attack amid stepped-up Chinese military maneuvers around the island. The island is also holding its annual five-day war game drills to further train Taiwan's military to deal with an attack from the communist regime. Taiwan's defense ministry says this year's exercises have used lessons learned from the Ukraine war and have simulated all possible ways Beijing could attack. The U.S. Army today released video footage of its Apache attack helicopters. They were conducting live fire drills in South Korea for the first time since 2019. It's part of the Allies stepping up military exercises amid tensions with North Korea. The helicopter's training was at the Rodriguez Live Fire Complex. That's just south of the heavily fortified demilitarized zone that's along the border with North Korea. In recent years, the training had been canceled because of noise and safety concerns from nearby residents. It's unclear what decision paved the way for the Apache drills to start again. Neither U.S. Forces Korea nor South Korea's Ministry of National Defense responded to requests for comment. The drills come as South Korea and the U.S. announced they will resume other live field training during joint military exercises. Those had been scaled back for several years due to the pandemic and efforts to lower tensions with the North. South Korea's president, who took office in May, has vowed to normalize joint drills and boost deterrence against the North. And just ahead, the top Ernest Hemingway lookalike is crowned in Florida. He says that he not only looks like the famous writer, but also shares other characteristics. And a diver discovers the site of an ancient Roman sunken ship. Researchers try to come up with theories about what the pieces of cargo from 2,000 years ago were used for. Stay tuned for more right here on NTD News. Enjoy Life Natural Brands is expanding its voluntary recall of baked goods over the potential presence of hard pieces of plastic. The items were sold at Trader Joe's grocery stores and online. The original recall, including soft baked cookies and chewy bars, was June 30th. Now one product is being added to the recall, along with additional Best Buy dates on four products. The company said the expanded recall comes from an internal investigation and says it's being done out of an abundance of caution. For more information on the recall, visit the Recalls Market Withdrawals and Safety Alerts section of FDA.gov. The search for the best Ernest Hemingway lookalike in Key West ended. Floridian John Avil was crowned the new Papa over the weekend. Avil donned the white sweater, a white beard, and now dons the nickname of Papa. That was what the famous writer sometimes went by. The winner explains one reason why he feels a connection to Hemingway. I think I feel most like Hemingway because of his relationship with his friends, his, his wife, and his children. Uh, my kids are here right now, and uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I feel very, very rich right now. Avila said he shared other traits with Hemingway, including a love of fishing and writing both fiction and nonfiction. The 65-year-old real estate attorney bested 124 other entrants after two preliminary rounds and Saturday night's finals. Those were judged by past winners at Sloppy Joe's Bar. 
That's a saloon where Hemingway and his friends used to hang out. A whale breached and landed on the bow of a small boat near Plymouth, Massachusetts Beach on Sunday morning. The town of Plymouth says no one was hurt and there was no major damage to the 19-foot boat. The Massachusetts Environmental Police will investigate the incident. The Plymouth Harbor Master says boaters should try to remain at least 300 feet from whales. That's to minimize potential interactions whenever possible. But sometimes a wild animal can be unpredictable. A diver and an environmental activist made an exceptional discovery when he located the site of a Roman ship. It is thought to have sunk some 2,000 years ago. History professor and archaeology lover Fabio Madacchiera used his cardiographic GPS and uncovered the cargo of the ancient ship. He found several hundred tiles and objects under the sand and hidden along the rocks. The data he collected were then analyzed by archaeologists. They confirmed the sinking of the ship that can be traced back to the Imperial Roman period between the 1st and 4th centuries A.D. Archaeologists say the ship's cargo was probably used for renovating coastal villas. During his dive, he also found an iron anchor with a fraction in the spindle. That suggests that before sinking, the ship was in great distress, probably due to a violent swell that pushed it towards the coast. Gardening is good for your muscles and your mood, plus you can get a bountiful harvest. What's not to love about it, other than a little elbow grease? Here's Gina Marie, who brings us Strong Mind and Body. Keeping a garden is nourishing for both body and soul. Gardeners have long known this, There's of course the design process, the planting process and the harvesting process, all of which are stimulating on so many levels. It's pretty magic watching a seedling grow to maturity and then bear fruit or vegetables. A growing body of research confirms what our grandparents always knew, that gardening is good for you. It's much cheaper than the gym. Hauling bags of compost or splitting up tough perennials, this strenuous exercise is not for the faint-hearted. Weeding and watering can burn up calories, so gardening will meet your fitness goals. What about bone density for women over 15? An Arkansas study showed a significantly decreasing risk of osteoporosis. It demonstrated that yard work was more effective for increasing bone density than swimming or jogging. The weight-bearing motion of digging holes, pulling weeds and pushing lawnmowers helps to maintain bone density. When gardening, soil health is a priority. Working in the soil, you are exposed to a multitude of germs and microbes. Parents and researchers agree that exposing young kids to germs, the soil and pets can support and train their immune systems. There's been a dramatic increase in childhood asthma and allergies in recent years. Could lack of microbial exposure be responsible? The health benefits of gardening go well beyond the physical. Gardening provides good mental and psychological health. Many doctors are now prescribing outdoor therapy for people with anxiety, depression or stress. Time spent in green spaces can work wonders with lifting moods. Keeping a garden is enjoyable and rewarding. You're active and fit. And the bonus is growing your own food. It's a win-win scenario. Thank you so much for joining us. We're going to put our email address on screen. We'd love to hear from you. For podcasters, that's news.today at ntd.com. Until next time, Kevin Hogan, NTD News, New York City.